love this sermon series. I particularly love that Laura Cortiello of our sixth grade um, program, the leader of that program, and I have a sixth grader, so I'm particularly fond of that program, is adapting what she's doing with the sixth graders so that it fits with what we're doing with the whole congregation in worship. So a couple of weekends ago, my sixth grader comes out of Sunday school, hops in the car, and says, Mom and Dad, have you guys ever prayed the use me prayer? <laughs> Every day, I told him. I pray that truly. I pray that prayer. God, use me. Take this day, take my life and use it. Do something with what I've, this meager offering called my life. And then last week, Scott Dudley took us through this um, vision, really, of, of to, what it means to forgive and to be forgiven, to have God kind of keep us at a clean slate. It's this amazing gift that God restores us to how he wants us to be. He doesn't want us carrying our burdens throughout life. He wants us to confess, to be forgiven, to start again, to have relationships made right. And this week, we're looking at this prayer from the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I heard this prayer a few uh, months ago, back in the summer, I was at a conference called the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, and it is sponsored by the Willow Creek Church, which is outside of Chicago. A few years ago, some core staff went to the, actually to Chicago to hear that conference, but it is projected on video and around the world, and this past summer, a lot of leaders, some of you, anyone here was at the Leadership Summit? Okay, you might recognize this story. So this woman comes onto the video, she's being interviewed, and she's like may, under 30. And she starts telling her life story that she was a Harvard MBA grad and she's making about $200,000 a year and she's living in this condo and then she becomes a follower of Jesus. And I liked her already. You know, just full of energy, full of life and turns her life to become a follower of Jesus. And then she went on to describe what that meant for her. It meant she joined a small group, it meant that she went on a short-term mission trip, and it meant that she began to pray this way. Bring it on, God. And that's my focus today. What would it be for God to bring on his kingdom in us and through us? Please pray with me. Lord God, I ask that you would so fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit that we would be bearers of your kingdom. God, take my words today and let them be your words. Take this passage of, of scripture, this prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and may it be true in our hearts, may your kingdom reign, and in the way we live our lives as a church community. Lord, may we be bearers of your kingdom, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That's a tiny little seed that when planted and nourished grows to be a huge tree. The kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast that leavens a, an immense amount of flour that can, if you just keep, keep kneading it and kneading it, it can become an enormous amount of bread. I want to submit that in our modern age, the kingdom of God is like a double A battery, one of the smallest of all batteries. <laughs> and the two A's are going to stand for today, are going to stand for agreement and assignment. 
God wants to bring us into agreement with his will. This is one of the things that I love about Catherine Rohr's story. She takes this commitment to follow Jesus, and it's not just something she assents to with her mind. She doesn't just say, yes, okay, I'm, I'm going to plan on heaven in the end. There's life after death, and I'm counting on that kingdom of heaven. She says, okay, Lord, I want to come into agreement with you as my leader now with you, in essence, as my king. Now, Americans are not big on kings. We've just had a peaceful passing of power, but we don't have a king. I hope that's not news to anyone. <laughs> as Christians, we're saying yes to the reign of God. That there is the king of the universe desires that his kingdom, his will, would be done in our lives, on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is not a place far away in the clouds, nor is it a, a geographical place. The kingdom of God, the scripture said, is among us or within us. The spirit of God wants to bring our hearts into agreement with God's will and God's plan. A few years ago, I took a workshop on basket weaving. It's true, I did it. I had always heard of underwater basket weaving, but we didn't have that class at UCLA, and I thought basket weaving would be something interesting to try, and I found out that that expression, underwater basket weaving, actually kind of comes from basket weaving. Because when you go to weave a basket, one of the first things you do is you lay out all the pieces of wood or balsa, or whatever, the, the vine that you're going to weave into the basket, and it has to soften up in the water for a long time. And when you're working with it, it's, it's, it's wet, it's hard. You're trying to bend it the, into the way that you want your basket to look. And as you bend it, you have to use these clamps all along the way to make it keep that shape. I find that my will is that way. It's hard to bend my will toward God's will. You know, I, all of us, and I, I included our... Uh oh, Scott, was that me included or I am included? I always get stuck on these things. It's very tough having a PhD in English here on our staff. My will is bent toward my will. It's hard to bend it toward God's will. It, it takes an intentional effort to come into agreement with God's will. I was a part of a Bible study for many years called Community Bible Study, and that Bible study brings together people from different denominations, people who are new believers, and as we established our Bible study, we learned from kind of the national organization that there was a way to pray that would be acceptable to everyone, and that would be to pray in agreement so that when one person was praying, we often pray in a very large group, we didn't all have to be thinking about what we were going to say next. We could just let our heart come into agreement with that prayer by saying something like this, uh-huh, try it, mm-hmm, very good. It's like saying, I'm with you, I'm on it, I agree. Sometimes out loud we would say, I agree with that prayer and sort of add on to it. It's a way of joining our hearts together. 
And I think that's what God is calling us to in our own hearts and as a community, to agree with what God is doing in our midst. So that's the first A, to come into agreement. And the second one is to come to receive God's assignment for each one of us and for our church community. I enjoyed reading a book called The Kingdom Assignment. It felt like it really fit the topic, don't you think? A kingdom assignment. So there was this pastor, and he had kind of a a vision, a dream, a hope of his congregation becoming kingdom people. And he talked about becoming kingdom people, and he preached about it, and he had Bible studies about it, and he looked out at his people, and he thought, they're not yet becoming kingdom people. So he thought of a tangible way to demonstrate to them that they belonged to the kingdom and that they were called to kingdom projects. So one Sunday morning, he stood up in front of his church. They had four services, just like we do. And he decided that at each service, he would call for 25 volunteers. How about it? 25 volunteers. Would you, you know, if a pastor said, I need 25, some of you, nobody in his congregation raised their hand either. He began to look at them in the eye, and people are looking down at their Bibles and <laughs> looking at their calendar watches, trying not to catch his eye. He began to call them by name, and he called 25 folks out into the aisle. Then he said, I have a kingdom assignment for you from God. And he took out a wad of money and gave each one of them a crisp $100 bill and said, this is from God to use to build up God's kingdom. By the end of the day, he'd given out 100 $100 bills with the approval of his leadership. (laughs) And those folks went home sensing that they'd been called to something way bigger than just their own Uh, will, their own lives for that day. One guy went home and worried and talked about that $100 bill so much that his wife finally said, would you just spend it? Just make a decision and spend it. And he said, I couldn't understand why this $100 meant so much to me. As if no other money that I'd ever earned or ever had were God's money. As if this were some sort of special money. And that guy put that $100 in his wallet, and he gave it away, and then he'd, re-put, he'd refill his wallet with another $100 to remind him that his whole wallet belonged to God. A 14-year-old kid got $100, and he heard of a family that was uh, eating on the floor because they didn't have a dining room table or a kitchen table. So he went and bought a used table and chairs and delivered it to that family. A couple who had struggled in the death of a child who was very young found themselves uh, developing a hospital ministry where they went and bought books and read to children and involved all these volunteers in reading to children who were in the hospital. Another couple took their $100 and they knew of a pastor from China who was involved in the underground church and wanted to start a seminary. So they took their $100 and gave a party. And they invited all these people to come and hear the story of this pastor. And as the pastor told the story, he said he needed about $50,000 to start this seminary. So a guy wrote a check right there at the dinner party for $50,000 and started that seminary. The hostess of that party said of that moment 
how it changed her life. She said the kingdom of God was among us the whole time, and we didn't know it. Every one of us has $100 in our wallet, if you will. Every one of us has one lifetime we've been given by God who says, here's my assignment for you. Now, maybe it feels like a small assignment. Maybe for us, just the call of God to, you know, wake up on a winter morning and put your feet on the floor and get yourself to church. Amen. Say yes to that assignment. For, for some of us, it's something that's brewing in the back of our heads, like this pastor who wanted to give $100 to people in his congregation and see what God would do. Maybe it's a, a ministry that you're involved in already, and you just want to see that ministry flourish. You want to see every kid at Eastside Academy have a mentor. You want to see every kid in Bellevue get the tutoring they need from KidReach. You want to see JRC teaching English as a second language to everyone who needs that. You want to go on a short-term mission trip. You know, this is what happened with Catherine Rohr. She didn't know what the end of the story would be. She just knew that having Jesus as her leader meant saying yes to the adventure of a lifetime. That's how the kingdom of God came to pass through Catherine Rohr. And I'd like you to see just a moment of the prison ministry that she had that uh, comes to involve hundreds of prisoners and their families and the impact that she's having. So we look for proven entrepreneurs, people who have left their mark on society, who could do it in a legit way but they have to be sick and tired of their old criminal lives. And we know that if they're sick and tired, that then with some discipleship, that they can go out there and they can actually do it. So we break our programs down into three different categories or services. Our first stuff is what we do in prison. And we scour the Texas prison system, over 65 prisons that we go to to recruit, to find the best former criminal leaders and gang leaders. And we recruit them over to our prison and then Imagine getting this room full on the first day of class where we have 80 guys who are these former gang leaders and they're all there and they're all mean mugging and acting all tough and I have to start breaking down barriers because prison's traditionally the most violent and racist place that I know of on earth and so I tell them, you know what, PEP, we are not gangsters in here and you're going to start smiling and you're going to start having brotherly love and I make them dance and hug and I literally, <laughs> I have them... You even give them new names. Yeah, I give them these sweet names, not their old hardcore prison names, and they literally are doing the chicken dance, like this whole, like, you know, the whole, the whole chicken dance thing that they're, that they're doing. So we break down these barriers, and then we put them through this hardcore business boot camp, and that all leads up to graduation for those who make the cut. And we recruit their family members to come to, come to prison to witness the most amazing moment in their loved one's life. Well, and I was there during one of those graduation ceremonies, and to see the children, some of them seeing their dad for the very first time in their life, watching their dad in a cap and gown for the first time in their life, cross the stage, be handed a diploma, and be celebrated was unbelievable. I'm not calling you to prison ministry today. I'm calling you into agreement with God's will for you and for this congregation. I'm calling you to say yes to whatever assignment it is, whether it's serving on a committee month after month, or whether it's writing a check for something and, and trusting that it's used wisely, whether it's raising kids who are, who are tough for you to raise, whether it's hanging in there in a marriage that you feel like, oh, I'm not sure this is really going to work. Whatever your assignment is, 
Maybe it's a dream just niggling at you. God wants to flourish that dream through the power of his Holy Spirit. Catherine's ministry takes prisoners and uh, launches them into life, and the rate of return to prison for her ministry is less than 10%. The rate in the state of Texas is more than 50%. She's making a difference because she said yes. She came into agreement with God's will for her. She says later in, in this little interview, it's just one act of obedience after another. Then she says to those gathered at that conference, you're all church leaders. We've had great worship and you're singing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She says, how about this? I dare you to pray this prayer. Bring it on, Lord. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we do want to see your kingdom come. We want to be a people of courage who not only know your will, not only study your word, not only believe in the power of your spirit, but actually experience that to be true. God, we want our will to be bent toward yours. We want to be a people who can be relied upon to be light and salt in this world. And our God, each one of us wants to say yes to that assignment that you have for us. And so I pray that you would make it so, that you would so bless us with your love, with your presence, with your truth, with your call, that we can do nothing other than say, bring it on, Lord. We say yes, by the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, amen.